Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll help you focus on doing what you love. I'll also be interviewing actor David Epstein, who shares his inspirational story of doing what he loves every day to live a fulfilled life. For more information about David, please follow him on Instagram at It's David Epstein. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Doing what you love. When we were children, we all had ideas of what we wanted to do and who we wanted to become. Unfortunately, as we became older, those hopes and dreams often changed. Either life happened or circumstances happened, and the things that we really wanted to do, unfortunately, we did not do. However, the great news is today is a new day. When you look at your life, do you feel like you're fulfilled? Your job or your hobbies even, do you actually engage in those behaviors? Ideally, to have a passion or to have a hobby that you love and to get paid for it, that is, for many people, the dream. Now, I understand that many people do have ideas of what they want to do, but unfortunately, they have a different full-time job and they're not able to fully focus on that. But remember, just because you don't get paid for something doesn't mean that you can't engage in some type of hobby. It doesn't mean you have to do it all day, but it is important to figure out what time of the day Can you do something that you truly enjoy? Because remember, when you do something you enjoy, it creates dopamine in your brain, which causes you to feel good, and it gives you the immense and emotional endurance to get through another day. And the more often you do that, it does create a sense of euphoria, which then motivates you to do more and more and more. So the lesson today is simple. When you look at your life, are you doing what you love? And if you're not able to do that every single moment or as a profession, then it is important to figure out what time of the day can you engage in hobbies that you truly enjoy. I have a fantastic interview today with David Epstein. He is going to share his own inspirational story of how he is able to do what he loves every single day and how that helps him live a fulfilled life. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. 
My guest today is David Epstein, who is an actor and writer known for The Twilight Zone, son of Bigfoot, and girlfriend's guide to divorce. He is going to share his inspiring story with us today. Welcome to my show, David. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. I am really looking forward to this. I saw in your bio that you are from Canada. I am. I am reporting here from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Very good. But you grew, you actually were raised on the East Coast in Halifax, right? So I was actually born in Halifax, uh, and at age one, my dad got a job out here, moved to yeah. Vancouver, thinking it was just going to be a, a winter that we mm -hmm. spent here, and uh, 30 years <laughs> later, here you we are. are still in Vancouver. Yeah, <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, it's funny because, uh, I, I don't think you do this, but so when I was four years old, I moved to Canada, and I was there for half of the year, and I was there all the way until I was 21 years old. So it's so interesting because some of the words I say are a little bit more Canadian, and the rest of my, my accent's obviously American or U.S., but um, but yeah, like words like bean, B-E-E-N, I still say it in the, the Canadian way. But the people from Halifax, they have a, a very beautiful accent, which is very different. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, different, I think, is the operative word. My yes. dad was from a small little island called Cape Breton, and it almost sounds more like uh, Irish mixed with marbles Does, in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, I know. It's Canadian crazy. Accent. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> the, the million dollar question is, is it pasta or is it pasta, James? Oh, gosh. Well, I, I would because I impart Latin, I would say pasta. There we go. Say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely, uh, I have not adopted the, I was in LA for about five years, but uh -huh. I still have always maintained the Canadian pasta. The and pasta. I, get of it all <laughs> I know <laughs> that is so funny. So how did you even get into the acting field? Acting world. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, I guess my mom would probably tell you that from age two onward, she mm -hmm. thought that I was going to be an actor. I was that kid that would put dish gloves on his feet and walk around pretending <laughs> to be a bird. Um, just a little bit of that center of attention kid. That's um, and I kind of, I'm a product of, of, um, high school theater. So that's uh -huh. really when I got my, my love for, uh, for theater, did a bunch of musicals back in the day. Um, and that transitioned into actually studying theater, uh, at Queens university. I thought I was going to kind of run away from the acting world, uh -huh. but, uh, of course pulled me back again. And once I graduated, I thought again, going to make my dad happy and going to do a <laughs> quote unquote real, real job. job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, was applying for a law school and I remember wow. sitting there with my, my application essay and it was just for a week. It was just blank. It was blank. And wow. finally I got something out and I realized that basically all I was saying was just kind of a, a detour that was taking me back to acting. Uh, so right as I made my application, I actually landed a, a Pizza Hut commercial, which was my very first ever uh, on camera, uh -huh. on camera uh, performance and, and just fell in love and realized I don't need to do this backwards yeah, to do exactly. what I really want yeah. to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was, when I was looking at your at your credits, I saw that when I guess when you were in high school, you were Linus and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. I was actually in that as well. I was Charlie no Brown. That's way. hysterical. And I saw that. I was like, that's such a, that's, I guess a rite of passage with that. It's so funny. A lot of thumb sucking, a lot of blanket holding. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I mean, I was lucky enough that uh, I'm not a very good singer by any means, but yeah. I was able to kind of just throw a, a really loud lisp onto the character voice and it kind of uh, distracted the fact that none of the notes were on tune. <laughs> And they probably didn't have auto tune back then either. So it did definitely not, definitely not. <laughs> that is so funny. So you're calling in today from Vancouver. What? Uh, how do you how do you get back and forth to LA? I mean, I'm assuming you have gigs in both places. Yeah. Well, so so LA was the last uh, five years of my life. Okay. Um, I, I ended up going uh, to um, do a master's in uh, film acting um, oh, okay. down at the New York Film Academy, which ironically was in uh, in LA. Um, <laughs> 
And that was kind of my ticket to to get into the States. As mm-hmm. a Canadian, I, I found it was pretty difficult to, to go down sure. there. But the school route was, A, an opportunity for me to kind of transition from all theater that I had been doing mm-hmm. and doing a little more film stuff. Um, and then just actually being in Los Angeles, the mecca of, uh, yeah. of, of TV and film and kind of pound the pavement there. Um, so I was there for, for five years uh, pursuing mostly it was commercial work and, mm-hmm. and voiceover stuff. Um, and it seemed like every time I would come back to Vancouver, I have had agent here and I would come and visit my family. And, you know, while I would be here, a couple auditions would happen. Uh, we do like to call ourselves in Vancouver, Hollywood North. So there is a lot. Yeah, there's a lot a of lot. it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. And and it seemed like almost every time I would come back to Vancouver, I would book the jobs mm. that in LA, oh, really? I would never have any opportunity to even read for. So there was always like a, a little piece of me that was kind of being pulled. I love living in LA and uh-huh. obviously had an amazing support system, family, friends, and, and agent out there. But um, it seemed like every time I was coming back to Vancouver, I was, I was working more. So um, yeah, I mean, I, this, the kind of that pull and pull um, mm-hmm. eventually was uh, pushed over the edge when I, I booked this part on, uh, on the Twilight Zone. So oh, it was yeah. a six, six month contract. And at that point, my, uh, my roommate in LA was not so keen on having me sublet to some stranger for six months. I was <laughs> yeah. like, you're out. And I, uh, I ended up coming back here and, and now I'm restarting wow. my, my career here in Vancouver. That's amazing. So many people want to be actors and actresses but as we know not everybody is as successful with it what were ways in which you stayed motivated and inspired to keep staying in the game i mean i think it's an ongoing uh element of motivation Mm -hmm. too because it's it's not it's one career i think uh acting or anything in the arts really it's not like oh great i i went to med school, I got yeah. the good grades, and when, when that, you have that steadfast way of uh, roadmap to success, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, it's constantly changing. And even with with uh, the Twilight Zone, which I think up until this point has been my big win, like, oh, great, I'm, I'm a, a working actor on this show, consistently on set, this is what my life is going to be like mm-hmm. forever. Then the show comes to an end, and all of a sudden, you're not back for the second season, and it's it's back to the, to the ground one again. Yeah. Um, so I think the motivation is just is really kind of the joy that it brings me and the, uh-huh. the wins that you do get when, for example, if I'm if I'm in the recording booth and getting to, to do a voiceover or the days that I do get to be on set, I just have so much joy in that, yeah, yeah. that that's kind of what I, I constantly I'm holding on to. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, well, I haven't worked in in a few months, but I remember when I when I was working, like yeah. the, the pride and the, the happiness that I felt, it's like the. The, you know, the cliche of if you find something that you love, you're not going to work a day mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. And I think that the, the biggest challenge, I think, is is knowing that, you know, in something like acting where you're not necessarily having that steady paycheck, having to do the other job that isn't exactly as passion, mm-hmm. uh, passionate yeah. about just to live and, and still maintain the energy and the excitement in, in to pursue acting on the other, sure. on the other side. You were saying in L.A. that versus in Vancouver that you would get di- different opportunities for different, uh, different shows. What would be the difference in that? Um, I think the big thing is, like I mentioned, when I was in LA, most mm-hmm. of the stuff I was going out for was going to be commercial and, and voiceover. And I think that is kind of the, the path that a lot of actors do take. It's you kind of prove yourself uh, yeah. in the commercial room 
And then from there, you can move into TV and movies. Whereas, so I, I was never really, you know, reading for any network shows gotcha. or any any films. It was more, you know, student projects, music videos, commercials. Whereas here in Vancouver, um, I think the big change is that opposed to there being 40, 50 casting agents in mm -hmm. LA, here you've got, you know, six, seven directors um, uh, gotcha, yeah. that really, you know, cast everything that sure. comes to them. So once you get to know them, they'll bring you in for more sure. and more. So I, I was really, you know, giving the opportunity to to read for for network television, which I never got in LA, which is kind of- That scary. is awesome. That is really neat. How do you handle the whole, uh, I guess, just the audition process? I mean, the cattle calls that happen and the <laughs> callbacks, no callbacks, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think it's, again, just managing the roller coaster of uh -huh. emotions. And it's like, you can't you can't let the the wins make you so, so excited mm -hmm. that when you have that loss, you're, you're down in the dumps. And similarly, when you, you know, lose out your audition when you feel like, oh, I, I, you know, I was between me and three other people. And then all of a sudden you find out that, you know, your agent calls you and says that it went to someone else instead of letting that defeat you, you know, you kind of are riding in between mm -hmm. it throughout. So the wins feel exciting, yeah. but the losses aren't going to kill you. How do you not personalize it? I think it's just honestly the repetition mm -hmm. um, and knowing that you know, 95% of the reason that you're not going to get a role, um, is out of your control. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you can go in and the best you can do is, is your performance, uh, and, you know, prepare the way that you prepare every single time. Um, so know that you're going to be consistent and if you get it, well, your work paid off. And if not, it's, uh, it probably wasn't your fault anyway. What was, what was the most bizarre audition you've ever done before? Oh my God. I don't even know if this is a safe one to say on, on, uh, on the radio. No, it is a family but show. So it was, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be, it was a very interesting, uh, I guess it was a music video, um, okay. by the, the guys, Tim and Eric, okay. who I'm not sure if you know them, but they're pretty off the wall comedians. And they were doing this, uh, music video that was based on a Japanese um, artist who, who I, I wish I, I could remember the name, but basically it was all these smaller men mm -hmm. with larger women being dominated. Okay. By larger. Okay. So yes, the audition was, was going in and basically <laughs> having a larger woman that I had never met, uh, met her in that moment and basically dominate me. Uh, and, and <laughs> like, hi, nice to meet you. Oh, you're, you're going to be sitting on my head now. Okay. All right. That's so that was, I'd say that goes up as, as one of the weirder, yes. weirder auditions ever. <laughs> yes. Did you, did you book the gig? No, I did not. <laughs> it's probably for the best. But, but I made a friend for life out of that one. <laughs> oh my God. That is hysterical. <laughs> wow. What are the ma major things you want to do with acting? Um, so I, I am very passionate about, uh, voiceover mm -hmm. and I think the reason that I have, have found that to be an exciting, uh, avenue for me is because as an actor, like I said, I was a bit of a, a product from high school theater where, you know, we could have a 12 year old boy playing a 70 year old man. Yeah. And with that said, if, if I wasn't putting on this big voice and this kind of weird physicality, I didn't feel like I was acting. Um, mm -hmm. now, of course, I know that we are limited by 
how we look uh, mm-hmm. when we're doing film and, and television stuff. Um, but with voiceover, you know, I don't have to play a, a five foot five yeah. Jewish guy anymore. <laughs> I can, you know, be the the big bully, uh, yeah. the ninety year old uh, <laughs> man from from Poland. You know, I can do whatever I want. So I really do. Um, you know, I think a dream of mine would be to, you know, find a, a regular position on an animated um, series. Would hmm. love to. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm pursuing. Um, and then, of course, I mean, I I do love. Um, theater, like I said, and with that, to be on a multi-cam sitcom mm-hmm. is the dream. You you have that five-day yeah. work week where you're filming a show, but you're also having that live audience that's there mm-hmm. with you, and uh, you know, there's that's the most kind of the best of both worlds. It yeah. is exactly, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that those are the two kind of the dreams that I have as an actor. That's awesome. When it comes to the voiceover, what what are um what are some of your favorite voices you've done? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, like this, um, I mean, I, I really did enjoy playing um, the the bully Charlie in an animated picture, <laughs> uh, Son of Bigfoot, uh, which was a really interesting uh, part. You know, I'd given been given, uh, and, and you know, voiceover is sometimes different. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get this is what the character looks like, yeah. and can you you know create the voice around that? Sometimes you're just gonna get a character description. Uh, in this case, I think I just was told you're a bully, and here are your you know ten pages of dialogue. So I went into the studio and and you know shot out all those uh, the lines and it wasn't until about a year later that I actually saw what the character looked like and I discovered he had a mullet and buck teeth <laughs> with big braces. I was like, that is amazing. I love that. That is really funny. Wow. <laughs> so that that I think is my favorite. Yeah. What was your inspiration for the bully? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, and, and again, I think as I'm, I'm getting more and more fine tuned in my craft, mm-hmm. I'm learning more that to me was, you know, okay. I, I had seen a lot of, uh, cartoons as a kid and how, how did the bully sound? How did the, and, you know, I'm not, I know that I wasn't going to be the, the tough big guy. So I, I found inspiration in being a little bit more of like a weaselly you loser. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, it, it kind of worked. Um, I think that a lot of the times inspiration comes from from different places, um, but usually it's really just okay. This these are the words when I speak them. What sounds the most organic? And literally mm. in that moment, that's all all I could yeah. do is hear the lines. David, you've got two hours. Just crank them out and, and hear what you got. So that's kind of what what happened there. That is really cool. When it comes to just playing some really dramatic pieces, whether it's voiceovers, whether it's on camera or not, how do you separate between yourself and the character's emotionality? Yeah, um, good question. I think as I'm as I'm, you know, learning more about the craft and mm-hmm. and working more, uh, I am realizing that the separation between the character and the actor is becoming less and less. And it really is, you know, they always say as an actor, uh, you, it is you yourself in these imaginary circumstances. Mm-hmm. So oh, interesting. me, David, um, what my, I can, all I can really bring is my own life experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so really I, I might not have had my mother murdered in front of me mm-hmm. but what is an experience that i've i've had in my life that felt like okay well it's the equivalent of my mom being murdered in front mm-hmm. of me and yeah. really just finding finding that as dark as it might be tapping into it and and feeling um confident enough to just let yourself play in that emotion and know that you know we can we'll get back from it you know whatever 
whether it's the happiest of happy times or the the darkest of dark uh, emotions or things that we can always bounce back from mm -hmm. and um, and yeah have have that safety in knowing that we can uh, we can push through. I really like how you use the foundation of of an emotional experience because when we go through life, obviously we all we'll get blindsided by life, life happens. And when that does happen, we think, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? But the way I always teach it is if you have, if you can recognize what the emotion is, think back on when did you experience that emotion before? And when you felt that emotion before, what did you do that worked to help you get over it? And what did you do that did not work? And so it is so important that once we do have that awareness of, I may not know what to do when it comes to finding a solution, but being able to say, well, I need to decrease this emotion, so this is what I've done, and it's, it's so, good to be able to reflect on what we've experienced before. So I love how you do that with, with acting as well, because if you know that there's a situation here that should probably feel this way, so it's so good for you to be able to tap into what you've experienced before to be able to pull that out and uh, to be able to, I guess, express it in the most well-rounded way. So that's, that's a really cool way that you can do that. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And I think as, as, you know, someone in psychotherapy and or someone in the creative work of of acting or art in general is mm -hmm. I think there is a little bit more of a a tendency that we are uh, comfortable about tapping into our mm -hmm. emotions. Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, I think that it's not something that people all the time feel an ease mm -hmm. of doing. So I think mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it is nice to be able to, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but no, it's fine. nice to to have that that ability and capacity to like, okay, engage with our emotions a little mm -hmm. bit. And um, anyway, I don't know if that made had, any sense. Yeah, it really did. Have you ever had this like a really, really powerful scene and afterwards you had to walk it off because the emotion was still flowing. You're like, oh my gosh, pull it together, <laughs> pull it together. Have you ever had a situation like that? You know, I, I feel like I, I want to experience that mm -hmm. more and more. And I think that as an actor, um, I am still holding on. I think there's natural, it's natural that we have uh, blocks. As humans, mm -hmm. we have learned for years and years and years to, to put this mask on to, to hide our emotions because to be uh, a grown man in the middle of the street who run, you know, when I go grocery shopping and all of a sudden they don't have the milk that I need, I want to, I'm sure, cry <laughs> my eyes out and scream, but I've been yeah. taught not to. And I think with that, it's, it's <laughs> kind of relearning that we as actors mm -hmm. need to be able to take that mask off and feel as intensely as, um, as we can. Yeah. So I think with that said, I, I am still working to get that mask off and, and be able to lose myself entirely, entirely in the emotions. Um, I do think that there have been moments before where it's like, oh God, that was that it, it's, it sits in you. And I think that's the best because mm -hmm. then you're ready for do another take of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good question, James. Um, I, I guess the answer that I have for you is I wish that it could live in me for longer because mm -hmm. when you find that moment, yeah. sometimes as an actor, I just, I want to hold on to it <laughs> so much. And I think the more I try to hold on to it, the quicker I lose it. So it's a, <laughs> it's a weird, weird, it's like a dream. You try to remember your dream and you keep losing it because you're exactly. thinking more about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Any upcoming projects for you? You know, it's, uh, it's been a bit quiet, um, mm -hmm. uh, lately. Um, you know, I, it, I know that we are going, have gone through uh, pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, here 
So there's been a bit of a stall to most of the production here yeah. in uh, in Vancouver. I've been lucky to know that you know we've got some um, some voiceover which which hasn't stopped despite um, production being in a complete um, standstill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I did actually just record an audiobook um, called Longing for Less. Uh, it's nice. all about okay. mi- minimalism and the history of minimalism throughout the ages. Oh, um, so that's uh, written by Kyle Chaka, and that should be on Audible soon. Awesome. That is amazing. Well, unfortunately, David, our time is up. You have been a fantastic guest today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, follow you on social media, go to your website, where will they find all that information online? Yeah, absolutely. So you can check me out on IMDb, uh, David Epstein. I think there are about 13 of us. So I think I'm (laughs) David Epstein 13 on IMDb. (laughs) Got to figure that out. Um, And then, of course, you can find me on Instagram. I am It's David Epstein. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being an awesome guest minister today. I really appreciate all your time. Hey, James. Thanks so much for having me. It was great chatting. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.